Now, two weeks ago tomorrow, um, Kath and I, it was very exciting. We went to the Cricket World Cup. Anyone been enjoying the Cricket World Cup? Six of us. It's going to be quite a niche next, next little story. So it was a South Africa game we went to see. We went to see South Africa versus um, West Indies. It was really exciting. It was down in, um, in Southampton. We got the tickets like, I don't know, nine months ago. So we were looking forward to this game. So we drove down to Southampton in the morning. We were a tiny bit late because we had to, to, to um, sort the children out. So we missed the first maybe 10 minutes. So we got there about, about 20 to 11, a couple of overs in. There's already one wicket gone, sadly. But we watched the, we watched the next, next little bit. We, we saw one wicket. We didn't actually see a single boundary in the next five overs. It's at 10 past 11, they stopped playing because of the rain. And um, fortunately, Kath and I bought a book with us. So we found some shelter and read our books. This was 10 past 11. Had a nice burger for lunch. Four o'clock, out they come and say, we're not going to play today. Go home. And so we got back in our car and drove back to um, Swindon. That was, uh, that was my trip to the World Cup, World Cup cricket. So um, quite eventful. But one of the things that I'm, I'm starting to find now with um, things like this, with the exception of Chris Gale, who's about 100, um, I'm amazed at how young these people are. Whenever a sport event comes on, like there's a 15-year-old in Wimbledon. I could be her dad, and that, and that would be legal, <laughs> even in the church. And you look at these people, and if you, if you ever get that moment, like, I'm 33 now. That's the age where Jesus had fulfilled his entire earthly ministry. He, he was done by then. He was, he, he was back, back up to the Father. I'm, and I'm thinking, you look at these people, and you think, gosh, I'm not quite at the place where I'd wish I was. My life isn't having the impact I'd love it to have. I haven't made the difference that I'd like to make kind of by, by, this, by this moment. It doesn't matter if you're 33, if you're 83, or if you're three. You can have these kind of questions. Maybe not a three-year-old, but 13 could do it. And you, we think, my life isn't having the impact I'd love it to have. I'm not changing the way I'd love to change. Uh, maybe you can relate sometimes. And you think, you think, this place I'd love to be, things I would have loved to have ticked off by now, and it doesn't seem to be coming together. Or even just, I wish my life was a bit more joyful by now. I wish there was a bit, of lo- a bit more life in it. And we can feel a little bit like that. And this passage I'm going to read today just speaks into this. It's a story Jesus tells in the book of Mark. So we're going to be in Mark chapter 4. Mark chapter 4, we're going to start in verse uh, 3, and then we're going to jump a little bit further a little bit later. Jesus says, listen, there was once a man who went out to sow corn. As he scattered the seed in the field, some of it fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some of it fell on rocky ground where there was little soil. The seed soon sprouted because the soil wasn't deep. Then when the sun came up, it burned the young plants because the roots hadn't grown deep enough. The plants soon dried up. Some of the seed fell among the thorn bushes, which grew up and choked the plants, And they didn't produce any corn, but some seed fell on good soil. And the plants sprouted, grew, and produced corn, some that had 30 grains, others 60, and others 100. Then we jump through to verse 14. Jesus explains this story. It says, the sower sows God's message, or God's word. Some people are like the seeds that fall along the path. As they hear the message, Satan comes and takes it away. Other people are like the seeds that fall on rocky ground. As soon as they hear the message, they receive it gladly, but it doesn't sink deep into them. And they don't last long. 
So when trouble or persecution comes because of the message, they give up at once. Other people are like the seeds sown among the thorn bushes. These are the ones who hear the message, but the worries about this life, the love of riches, and other kinds of desires crowd in and choke the message, and they don't bear fruit. But other people are like the seeds sown in good soil. They hear the message, accept it, and they bear fruit. Some 30, some 60, and some 100. And what this is talking about is this idea of fruitfulness. It's about character. It's about maturity. It's about being people that reflect God's heart. It's about being people that live out God's culture in the world. It's about being people that build God's kingdom. It's about how we make an impact, about how you and me can be fruitful in our lives, how we can be fruitful. And what Jesus is saying is the words that he speaks to us, the word of God that that we read in the Bible, the things that he says to us, have the potential to change the world. That actually, if people like you and me heard from God and lived it out, then we could change the world. We could live lives that were fruitful. We could live lives that make a difference. But what Jesus is saying is that we have a little part to play in this. That we're not just, we're not just passive passengers in this, in this journey of life. That actually we have a part to play in how fruitful our lives are. And actually, it's about how receptive we are. And what Jesus says is this, is that reception dictates fruitfulness. Reception dictates fruitfulness. It wasn't the quality of the sea that impacted in the story. It was the quality of the soil. And that's you and me. So how we receive the word impacts how fruitful our lives are. And God is longing for each one of us to be fruitful He's put purpose in our lives. He's given us gifts and skills. He's put us in certain places at certain times to make a difference. But we can miss out on that if, we don't, if we're not receptive. And then, really, Jesus gives us, it's almost like three keys to being unfruitful before he tells us how to, how to really make it work. He gives us three keys to being unfruitful. So are you ready for this? Three keys to being unfruitful. We up for this? Brilliant. Three keys to being unfruitful. The first one is don't receive the word. Just don't even receive it. It talks about seed that falls on rocky on, 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 on the path. It's like chucking seed on a pavement. It's not going to do anything. And that's when we just don't receive the word. We don't, we don't even listen. I don't know if it's, so Kath and I have been married over 10 years. I know we got married when I was nine. And, um, and one of the... Um, it's a conversation which we've had, I don't know, probably a million times, where Kath says something to me like, Joel, did you get the, whatever it might be, the suitcase from the garage? And I'll say, no, you didn't ask me to. And she'll say, yes, I did. And I'll say, I don't think you did. And she'll say, I definitely did. And I'll say, I have no recollection of that conversation. And what was happening most likely is I just wasn't receiving the word. In the moment where Cass said, please can you grab the, whatever, the suitcase from the garage. Anyone else in your friendships, in your marriage, have that sort of conversation more regularly? Yeah. <laughs> All right, no, no, no need to point fingers. We, um, <laughs> own it for yourself. <laughs> but 
We can be just like that when it comes to the words God wants to speak to us. We can even be in church hearing a brilliant, engaging, funny message like you're hearing right now. And, um, <laughs> and we can just miss it. I've sat in places like this innumerable times. And even if, when we go to lunch for a brunch today and someone says, ah, oh, what was the message about today? I've forgotten it already. I didn't even receive it. Well, we're not giving the Word of God a chance to come in to make a difference to our lives when we don't receive it. That's a great way to not be fruitful. Don't receive it. Like, if, if, if you're reading the Bible in the mornings, when you do that, just, just skim through. Just let it, let it blow over you. Let it go in one ear and out the other. That is a brilliant way to not be fruitful. Just don't even... Don't even go there. Don't even listen. Don't even, don't even receive it. That's a brilliant way to not be fruitful, is what Jesus is saying. But he doesn't want us to do that. But that's one, one key to being unfruitful. Second key to being unfruitful is um, don't root it. Don't root the word. It talks about, about seeds that fall on rocky ground. And it says that in those places, the, um, the, the seeds, they root a little bit. Because, but because there's rocks there, they don't root deeply. And the sun comes, and they just get scorched. They're gone. And um, this is about not rooting it in, in our hearts. Not actually, not taking the things that God speaks to us. Because God is always speaking. The break is never on his end. We can open the Bible. We can ask God to speak to us. We can come to a place like this. God is speaking all the time. And we can receive it, but not root it. And we need to root the word in our lives. We need to root the things that God said to us. And how many times have I been in a place just like this, and I've heard a message that's been good, and I've thought in a moment, that's a great message. That's a really good thing. I've never thought of it that way. That's, that's something important that I feel God's saying to me today. And I leave this place, and I do nothing with it. I just get on with my life as if I haven't heard a word that could possibly change my life. I don't root it. But Jesus is saying that's a brilliant way to not be fruitful. If we just hear something or we read something great in, in, in our quiet time or we see a great Bible quote on Twitter, I think that is a great word for me. But we don't root it. We don't root it. Because it says what happens, and there's a verse I really don't like in, in verse 20 of Mark 4. It says, when trouble or persecution comes... I wish it said, if trouble or persecution comes. I would like the verse much more, but it doesn't say that, because trouble's coming. Tr tricky times are coming, valley times are coming, heartbreak is coming. That's part of life as we know it right now. But if we want to be fruitful even in that, we need to root the word. We need to root the word. You know, when, when you hear something brilliant from God, maybe you want to you write it down somewhere. Maybe you want to remind yourself of it. I, I, I was away with some, um, some friends of mine. Um, they're actually they're all vicars around the country. That we, we trained together. And we were praying for each other. And we, and we had a moment where we prophesied, where we basically said things to each other which, which we felt like God was saying for each other. We encouraged each other that way. And the guy said some great stuff to me. But um, I need to then root that. I need to go back to what was said. I need to, I need to stand on that stuff and actually allow it to take root in my life. Otherwise, when the trouble and challenge comes, it's gone. 
and I'm as fruitless as everyone else. I mean, maybe you want to start journaling some of the things that God's saying to you or writing them down some way. Maybe you want to talk to a friend about the things that God's saying to you. Why? To let it get rooted in your heart. Maybe you want to have a moment each week where you say, what's God been saying to me this week? And you allow it to get rooted in you so it can actually bring about some transformation and change. Because otherwise, when the trouble comes, it just gets burnt up. But God wants us to be fruitful even in the times of great challenge, pain and trial, which may be where you are right now. I remember, I shared this, I think, a few weeks ago as we were worshipping, but um, seven years ago, we were in South Africa. Um, our eldest son, now, he was just eight weeks old, and um, we were out in South Africa for, for my sister-in-law's wedding, and Catherine had had trouble with breastfeeding, and um, we saw some doctors out there and got the just earth-shattering diagnosis that Catherine had breast cancer. She just turned 29. You, don't, you don't, just don't expect that. And she's doing great now, by the way, so just don't have to worry about that while I tell the story. But um, we... We wanted to go to church that Sunday, and so we went to church. It was a different church to our church. We wanted to be in church, but couldn't quite face nice people. I mean, they were nice, but they didn't know us. And so we, um, we went there, and it was the first time um, we heard, we heard a song, which we sing here at Patton Church. I'd never heard it before, but sort of go with me. So we're there in this, in this church. It's in, a, in an ex-nightclub. It's pretty cool. But um, the worship's pumping. I couldn't sing that day. I just cried. That was my offering to the Lord that day. And um, so my son was strapped to, strapped to my front on the Baby Bjorn. There are other brands of Papoose. And um, the calf was next to me. And these words came up. Christ alone, cornerstone, weak made strong. In the Savior's arms, through the storm. He is Lord, Lord of all. And we had to make a choice in that moment. Either we hear this and let it go in one ear and out the other, or we actually root it in our lives. We say, this word from the Lord is actually going to be a defining truth for this moment. That I'm going to let it root in my heart so that when we go through these next year of chemotherapy and radiation and surgery and challenge and long nights and hard times and pain and all that stuff, that the truth that God is faithful, that the truth that God is with us, that the truth that God will not leave, that the truth that God will bring good things even out the rubbish, I'm going to let that be rooted in my life. I'm going to have it rooted. And when the trouble comes, I'm going to go with that. And that's an invitation for each one of us because it's our reception that dictates our fruitfulness. It's receptivity to the word that dictates fruitfulness. But if you don't want to be fruitful, don't root it. Don't root it. Don't receive it. Don't root it. And don't be reassured by it. Don't be reassured by it. See, this talks about, about um, seeds that grow up where there's also thorns. And thorns are real for all of us. It talks about them as fears. It talks to them about, about um, money. It talks about them about desire for things. And this is a brilliant way, actually, to be unfruitful, is to worry about everything. And there's a lot of real stuff to worry about. We can worry about 
the state of the nation. We can worry about the next leader. We can worry about Brexit. We can worry about our children. We can worry about Honda. These are real things. We can worry about, about our friends. We can worry about our relationships. We can worry about if we're in a place we'd love to be right now in our life. There are so many important things that we could worry about. You can worry about rubbish as well. You can worry about, I don't know, um, if Swindon Town are ever going to get promoted. You can worry about all sorts of things. But um, it's easy to do but it's a brilliant way to not be fruitful. Just to let worry consume us. Or another one, comparison. That is a great way to not be fruitful. Look at everyone else. Even better, look at them on social media. Look at people's filtered best day and compare that to our worst day. That is a brilliant way to be unfruitful. Compare yourself to everyone else. Look how great their life's going. Look at the opportunities they're having. Look at how things are working for them. Look at the healing they've experienced. Look about, about how their relationship's working. Look about how their job's going. You can, you can compare yourself to everyone else, and that is a brilliant way to be unfruitful. That is a brilliant way to miss out on what God's got for you. That's a brilliant way to, be, to miss out on the huge calling and destiny on your life. You know, when things are scary and fearful, and we're making jokes about it, but that's real for lots of us. When there's comparison, and that can be real for lots of us. When there's worries about money and life, and that's real for lots of us. If you don't want to be fruitful, don't let the word reassure you. You know, don't let the truth that God speaks to us speak into your life. You know, because when you have truth speaking into your life about who you really are, about the fact that you are fearfully and wonderfully made, about the fact that you are a masterpiece, about the fact that there are good things laid out before you, about the fact that God will never leave you, about the fact that God will take even the worst things and use them for your good and his glory. When we speak those into our situation, when we're reassured by the word, even though there are fears, and even though there are challenges, and even though there's comparison, there's still space to be fruitful. Because it's our reception that dictates our fruitfulness. It's our reception that dictates fruitfulness. I remember I was um, speaking at a previous church, and um, I was talking about this whole area of healing, about how Jesus healed people all the time in the New Testament, about how there's not a single example of Jesus not healing someone in the New Testament. And, and, and that's difficult for us because sometimes we don't get healed, but we're still going to go after that because it's there. I'll talk about that another Sunday. But I was speaking about this, and there was a lady in our church called Claire who just that very week had had an ultrasound on, on her, her, the baby growing, growing inside of her and um, had been told that there was an abnormality with her in, in, in the child's brain. And she was still kind of reeling from, from that news. And, and part of her was finding it quite difficult being in a church service, hearing me talk about healing while her child was sick. But she chose, rather than be offended, rather than to be worried, she chose to reassure herself um, by the word that was being spoken. And she started to pray there in that moment. She started to pray for this child that was growing inside of her. She started to pray that um, what she prayed was, when we go back to the doctors, I want them to say that if they saw this child now, they would say it was normal. And then um, they went back to the doctors and the doctor said, to be honest, Claire, if I score this scan now, I would say this child was normal. There is opportunity for fruitfulness when we are reassured by the word. But when we let the worries and the struggles and the challenges, as real as they are, choke us, 
then we miss out on fruitfulness. So there's three brilliant ways to not be fruitful. Don't receive the word. Don't let it be rooted. And don't be reassured by it. But actually, Jesus doesn't just want us to not be unfruitful. I lost my page now. Here we are, Mark 4. He wants us to be fruitful. He says, But other people are like seeds sown in good soil. Turn to the person next to you and say, good soil. In good soil. They hear the message, accept it, and bear fruit. Turn to the person next to you and say, bear fruit. They bear, bear fruit. Some 30, some 60, and some 100. And this is the invitation on the lives of people who know and love Jesus, to live fruitful lives that bear fruit, some 30, some 60, some 100, to have favor on our lives, to walk with partnership, to make a difference to the people around us. That is the invitation for us to live these fruitful lives. But it, it comes when, we, when our hearts are ready, when we're receptive to the word, when we, when we realize that this is life-changing and, and we do all that we can to receive it, to root it, to be reassured by it, then we can live lives that are fruitful, that are fruitful. Because God wants us to be fruitful. I know we've given three ways to not be fruitful, but these aren't to condemn people. This is a warning almost, like an invitation. I want you to live a fruitful life, so don't do that. Do this. Do this. Receive the words that I speak over you. Receive the, um, the things I've got to say to, to you. Hear it. In the first 25 verses of, of, of uh, Mark chapter 4, the word hear is heard nine times. There's a message here that God wants us to hear what he's saying to us, each and every one of us, and not just hear it, but hear it, receive it, root it, be reassured by it, because our reception dictates our fruitfulness and I get this wrong so many times I could give you 20 examples when I haven't received it I haven't rooted it I haven't been reassured by it yeah especially the suitcase but um sometimes we get it right and we have an opportunity to see amazing things happen to partner with God to see people healed to see encouragement brought to step into the calling on our lives and it's it's not like an equation we do this, that equals that. That's not how the Lord works. But actually, we've got an opportunity to partner in this. We've got an opportunity. And today is a new day whereby we can say, actually, I want to be the, live the fruitful life you're inviting me to. I want to make a difference the, the way you're inviting me to do, to, 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 to do that. I just reminded my, my one friend, James. Um, I, was, I was sharing a message in church from... Um, the story of Jesus and his disciples when Peter walks on the water. So it's a story about Jesus. He walked on the water. That's quite cool. And then he invited his, one of his disciples to walk on the water as well. How fun's that? And this disciple got to do that. And I was talking to the church about, about taking risks, about, about getting out of the boat. And my friend James, he heard that. And he came back to me the next week. He said, Joel, I want to tell you something. I said, what's that? He said, he said I got out of the boat. I said, what do you mean? He said, well... I've been thinking for a long time I should start a little prayer meeting with some of my colleagues at work and I've done it. I've got out of the boat and I've done it. And it's such a small little thing but how many times have we been in a place where we felt God say something to us or maybe you haven't but he is. He's speaking to you 
and we, um, we've done nothing with it. But actually, we get an opportunity to receive it and to do it, to do the things that God's called us to do. And actually, for James, that was a stepping stone. I've spoken about him before, but he went on to be someone who now prays regularly for people in his workplace to get healed. He's seen a bunch of guys get healed, but it started with a small thing where he was receptive to the word. So I suppose my question is for me and for each one of us, what do you need to do to step into the fruitfulness that God's got for you? It's our reception that dictates fruitfulness. Is it that first bit around, around receiving the word? Maybe you need to do a... There's a couple of things God wants you to do maybe about receiving. Maybe even today you want to think, okay, I want to do something in response to what I've heard. Maybe you want to, I don't know, like write a little note down. Or maybe you want to start journaling something. Or maybe, maybe you want to tell someone about what God said to you. Or maybe you just want to think about it a little bit more. Today I heard this, so I'm going to think about that. You're going to receive it. Or maybe you receive a lot of good things, but you don't root it. What can you do to root it a little bit more? What steps, steps is, is, is God inviting you to take t- today? Or maybe um, you need to be reassured by it. Maybe life is full of worries and challenge and difficult things right now. And you need to make a decision. I'm going to be reassured by that. I'm going to place what God says above all the other stuff as real as it is. And that's what you need to do today to help step into, into fruitfulness. But it's an invitation to each of us. I mean, imagine if... Um, if we did this, we've got a vision as our church. We'll see how many people, how many people got it right on the survey. Inviting people into family to serve Swindon. Who got it right on the survey? Okay, about half of us. Excellent. Inviting people into family to serve Swindon. That's our vision. We're dreaming of a thousand people being baptized. We're dreaming of an army of young people running after Jesus. We're dreaming of being a church that makes a difference to some of the social challenges we're facing in Swindon. We're dreaming of planting churches that plant churches. You you, you met Paul today, but we're hoping to send him out probably with a bunch of you in a few years' time to bring life to another church in Swindon. We're dreaming of doing that stuff. But we're only going to get there if we're living fruitful lives. If we're hearing what God's speaking to us and we're doing it and we're stepping into it, imagine if each one of us, we really received the words that God spoke to us. We didn't let the devil steal them. Imagine if we rooted it, if we were so marinated in the word of God and the things that he spoke to us that, um, that the challenges and struggles of life didn't, didn't knock us down but we, were, but we were fruitful even in those seasons. Imagine if we were reassured by the word of God that we didn't, we didn't allow life to, to speak louder than God, but our situation was reassured by what God said. If we came humbly and said, God, teach me your word, as the psalmist said, is a light to my feet and a, and a lamp to my path. I mean, we would live like some of our heroes. Walking humbly with perspective, with vision, carrying God's attitude into every place we go. We live fruitful lives. That's my heart for each one of you. That's God's heart for each one of you. That we are people who live fruitful lives. But it's reception that dictates fruitfulness.